say this won't go out until after the last game of the season. Well, yeah, I don't think it'll make much difference no, to us. Well, you say that, Nathan Fogg, but you're playing two relegated teams in the last three games. So currently Blackpool sit 16th with a goal difference of plus one. I think you've got every chance of getting it to at least plus three. And if you win all three of your games, you hit over 60 points, I think over 65 points. So it's been a good season. Oh, it's been a good season, yeah, yeah. Just in terms of, you know, we, we're going to finish mid-table, so, yeah. Um, nothing too drastic will happen. No, which is, <laughs> given what you describe in your book, How yeah. Not to Run a Football Club, stability of this kind is manner. Now, I was in Blackpool last September for the British Country Music Festival at the Winter Gardens, and I went into the Waterstones, and in the window, I saw an advert for your book. Really? Yeah. It, it, what, in Blackpool Waterstones in the, in the shop window? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. So I what think was so. It? Unless there was another book about Blackpool's difficult yeah. owners that we're going to try not to mention. I've got O-O, K-O and S-O. Coco the Clown, some Blackpool fans like to call him. Yeah, we'll go for that. Because he <laughs> is. I, I don't think he can sue us for calling him a clown, can he? No. Good. Because that was my first question. When you're writing a book about Blackpool Football Club in the last 10 years, you actually have to thank um, Alex Wade for the legal edit. <laughs> How intense was that edit? So I'm not really support. We don't want to talk too much about it, but it, it was important. It, it, we, we, we put a lot of work into it. So I, I was always confident in it. Um, actually, it wasn't the forefront of our minds. But yeah, we, we worked with, you know, pictures are a really established publisher and you know, illegal. Um, everyone knew what we were going in for, so we, we just put a lot of work and time into it and did it right. And yeah, we were um, we were happy with it. Well, and I was told by a source, um, wow, Laura, okay. Laura, that um, the initial print run at sixteen ninety nine sold out, and that's twenty five hundred people. How many of them are not Blackpool fans? Um, I'm not sure actually. Um, this is this is interesting actually because it's like um, it, this is like roles reversed because I'm used to doing the hour long interviews and talking about sources. So Sorry, suddenly feeling like I'm a bit hot under the collar. No, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it's mostly Blackpool fans because I think um, I just can't imagine being a Blackpool fan and not reading it to be honest. Um, but there's been interest everywhere. I think a lot of people have heard of the Oceans and remember Blackpool season in the Premier League and so and obviously there's so much money and owners, football owners in, in the news right now. So it's kind of come out a, a fortuitously good time for me. But I would say most of it are Blackpool fans, that's certainly the first initial print run was, was sort of the PR and marketing and stuff was, was for Blackpool fans and then we're going to try and push it outwards towards. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's on shelves. The book is How Not to Run a Football Club and it is a cautionary tale which has been documented by the great William Watt through, until he couldn't. And I was following what William was doing has he read the book, or did he, did he not want to be reminded of the nightmares? Will, I, I think, no, Will's got the book, I think. I'm sure he's read it. I mean, I'm, he works in football now for Fleetwood, so yes. he's probably, he probably learned a few lessons of, yeah, of how not to run a football club. Well, Andy Pilly, for all the things that he is, he is not what Coco and the rest have done. Um, Fleetwood are Blackpool's great rivals. I'm sure you know some Fleetwood fans. Yeah, my father's so my uncle's actually a Fleetwood fan. Um, from from the non-league, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have his credentials of how many games he was going to in the non-league uh, when we were in Conference North or whatever. I mean, the Fleetwood thing is because um, I'm actually not from Blackpool. I'm from Burnley, but I was a you know season ticket growing, uh, holder growing up with my dad. Um, 
sort of a rivalry for me was Burnley. And we would get beat every every bloody time by Burnley, certainly at Turf Moor. But Preston is obviously the, the biggest rivalry for Blackpool fans. I don't, I don't think Fleetwood was really on the radar until sort of recently and it's sort of seen as a... You know, football fans like to pretend they're not rivals, aren't they? It's like, oh, we actually don't care about you. It's like the big thing now. Uh, so it's like, oh, we don't care about Fleetwood, but we are. Oh, we actually do care a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, this won't go out until after the Premier League season finishes. So I wonder if Mike Jackson, who is the caretaker manager of yeah. Burnley, is going to put a picture of Bloomfield Road on the dressing room wall and say, do you really want to go? I don't know his accent. I guess he sounds like Sean. Do you really want to go there next year? Because if you don't get out of this mess, you will. And as it stands, um, they are pole position to finish 17th, which will be a miracle because well, Burnley have been yeah. down for about six months. Well, it's just kind of, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Do you sack your manager and hope for the, the end of year bounce? Because if they say, oh, it's all worth it, isn't it? They're getting over, you know, 100 million or whatever. And it's the move the question on to next year. So that's always an interesting question to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike Jackson, I think from what I remember when he was at Blackpool, very softly spoken. So maybe he's been smoking sort of 50 a day to prepare for this moment over the last few months. Or what he's doing is calling up Sean and just yeah. saying, Sean, what formation are we going to play? Four at the back, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I talk about this because Blackpool's status in the championship is now secure. You can't go up, you can't go down. Yeah. Um, which, and it's an amazing season. I, I think you've conceded as many as you've scored. Three games left, you've scored one more, 52 than you've conceded. And to take um, the results at the weekend, it was 1-1. Was it Luton? 1-1 or Luton? Yeah. 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 That's a great result. It's like a really boringly good result. I think you can forget Luton are actually a very good team and might be in the Premier League next year. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been that kind of season where we, we flirted with the playoffs a little bit um, throughout the year at various stages. But in the end, it's a, a sort of mid-table mediocrity, which is like, as you said, it's, it's, um, it's just something that doesn't happen in Blackpool. And I think we'll have to get a bit used to that. This is actually kind of good and normal. And like, there's no headlines this year, which, um, yeah, it's, it's peaceful. Peaceful times at Blackpool right now. Yeah, no one is talking in English football about Simon Sadler. And that's because um, all the attention is being paid to what's going on at Man United and Chelsea and Liverpool are apparently going to business with crypto. That'll end badly. But in the championship, Huddersfield are doing amazingly. Gary Sweet, the CEO of Luton. The best, one of the best CEOs in the country because he knows that they have to link with the community first. Bring back the glory days of Raddy Antich and the plastic pitch of 40 years ago, if possible. And the teams at the top of the division, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, who have loads of money, Fulham, who have even more money. Blackpool's ceiling should be 16th in the championship. But you've got a manager and an owner and a senior director. Brett Brett Garrity, I'll bet. Thank you. Yes, Brett Garrity. He was mentioned in the the postscript of the book. Yes. I suppose the question I should do is, are you going to write a book, How to Run a Football Club Boringly? Well, I did propose, uh, I don't even know if uh, this would be feasible, but I did propose writing a follow-up where you embed in the club for a year um, and just see what happens. Because I think next year there is a chance that we could knock on the door for promotion. So I, I, I did run that by them and they were interested, but I, I don't know if that ever happened. But uh, it probably wouldn't sell as well, annoyingly. Scandal sells better, doesn't it? Yeah. Someone said the other day, no one ever wrote a book about stereophonics, but they did write a book about <laughs> Manic Street Preachers. I'm going to bag. That's good. I Take wish I could have you that line a few months ago. I'm going to seal it. Yeah, that's uh, Mark Burrows, who is a, a writer and a, a performer. But um, he's not a football fan whatsoever. 
I said to him, yeah, my family's a football fan, but I have no interest whatsoever in it. Whereas you probably speak to your dad most days about Blackpool. Yeah, I mean, we do. I remember um, it, the, the, the thing, and I wrote it in the, in the prologue um, of the acknowledgements. The thing that I really, because I started writing the book in 2015, there was no idea to write it. But I was sort of 21, just out of university and couldn't really think, I didn't have, I couldn't hold on to a thought in my head for more than a month before moving on to the next thing. So it didn't really last very long. But my dad knew I'd started it, and then as all the shit show was going on for the next few years, he, whenever we met out for a, for a beer or whatever, um, he would always say some sort of comment along the line of, oh, this is happening, this is happening, and he'd say, oh, you should have written that book, Nath. And inside of me, like a little part of my heart would die, because I was like, he was right, I should have written the book. And I was so worried that someone would, would beat me to it, and then eventually uh, I just got around to actually pulling my finger out doing it, and... Um, And he is credited uh, as standard. There's someone else credited. I don't think I've ever seen this in a book before. I think you know where this is going, but I'm going to try and find it. Uh, The book is dedicated to your girlfriend, Hannah, who um, is a long-suffering Blackpool fan, I suppose. She's not, no. She's a, she's actually a Derby fan, so a oh, recently wow. suffering Derby fan. Her dad's a Derby fan. So it, so she was like saying it's one of the nicest things that's ever, anyone's ever done for her, uh, obviously. But I just wish it was a more romantic book to, you know, dedicate to her. Because it's not, it's, not it's not a nice book in a sense. Well, it's so, got a happy uh, ending. It's got a happy ending, yeah. Um, but I mean, in the first chapter is, is a, an unfortunate description of, you know, rape and, and then there's scandal. And it's it's not... Anyway, she took it as a compliment. She was very happy with it, so I was happy. <laughs> Always, I didn't do for my book that I'm not here to talk about that will hopefully be out now about the Youth Cup, um, the history right. of the Youth Cup, which is also out on pitch, sixteen ninety nine, the same price as How Not to Run a Football Club, which is what we're talking about here. Although if you can get a copy, you'll have to wait for the reprint, which I don't mm-hmm. know, is that going to come in the next few weeks? I think so. So they sent it off to the printers um, about three weeks ago. Um, they, they obviously do it in advance. They can tell it's about sale, so they try and make sure there's no um, gaps, I suppose. Um, I, I check Amazon just to see because it tells you if you get the first or second edition, so, and I don't know how quick we are to update that. So, yeah, I, I would imagine. And there's a couple of changes in the second edition, so that'll be good for people to get out. It's, it's, it's the George Lucas, you know, specialised edition. That's uh, The Snyder that, Cut. Yes. Yeah, it's the Snyder Cut. Yeah, yeah. but... Yeah. But what you've written in the acknowledgements, I'd also like to thank Rachel Kay for providing some research. I'd also like to thank Rebecca Kay, who did nothing but wouldn't let me get away with thanking the others, yeah. but not her. <laughs> so that's my other cousin. So Rachel and Rebecca, my cousin. So Rachel works in the NHS, and what I sent her was a list of um, the banned substances every year that the FA provides. And, so, and I said, would any of these be used to treat STDs? Uh, which is obviously, you read the book, is a, is a, is a, it was a, a, an accusation. And, and well... An accusation against players that they were being treated for STDs. And part of it was untrue that they were um, uh, kept out of games because of medication uh, that was banned, which, as I found out, was not true, thanks to Rachel with her help. So that was a that was a really important part of the research. And then I thought, I can't, I can't help. I never hear the end of it at my family party. And, and, and in fact, when I did have a family party celebrating the release of a book, it's like the it's like the mafia. It's like all these aunts and uncles come out. It's like you. Like, and we're all saying, where's my knowledge and where's this? So I was, uh, I tried to cover as many bases as possible. Ah, uh, whereas I've, I've thanked the team at Pitch. You've got, uh, your book has a Duncan Olner cover, registered trademark. Great cover, yeah. Oh, he's, he's the he best. Did a job. He did an amazing job. For the way the smoke sort of fades into the, 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 I don't know if it is tangerine the writing, but it works so well because it's a darker tone. And I didn't want to cover it full of tangerine. Because you can get these books where they're almost a bit sickly. It's just it's just tangerine everywhere, and it's, it's almost looks like a children's book. Well, which this isn't not. So 
I'm really glad. Obviously, the photo speaks for itself. It's an amazing photograph from from one of the protests. But the book is is it doesn't scream Blackpool. It just screams what's this? It's a bit crazy that type of thing. No, and I wonder if Derby County fans are going to be alerted to it because they'll they'll think, well, Blackpool were mired in scandal and lots of rigmarole. And uh, although Mel Morris has done nothing, again, we have to make clear that the chairman of all these other clubs, Andy Pilly, Mel Morris, are not in the class of Meshuggah, that, uh, which is an untranslatable word, just being knob. Uh, that's, you can't sue him for calling him a knob, can we? Because he is. Um, I think if you're saying that's your opinion, that he is a knob, yeah, yeah, you're, on, you're on solid ground. It's like Stig. Some say... Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. we know is he's called Coco the Clown. Um, yeah, that is, that, I mean that is a truthful fact. You know, fans did call him Coco the Clown, and he would go on. He would sort of play up to that. He would. He logged into message boards and would be using it in Harry Potter because people would call him Harry Potter with the glasses and a bit of a bowl cut. So he he knew how to play up to it. You are not the first Blackpool fan to visit the football library, which is where you are. I talked to Jane Stewart. Oh yeah. Very early on, because I was inspired by what she was doing with her video logs, uh, her and Lee, uh, who I imagine are still going, Lee Charles. Yes. Yeah. They I, are, yeah. I do check from time to time. She must be very happy that the club is run solidly and you're a mid-table championship team with Liverpool's former under-23s coach. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's great what we do. I, I tried my hand in doing fanzines for a while before the yeah, sort of 2014 era. And I just went way overboard with it. I wanted to make them be sort of coffee table books. So it was like, and I'd never done it before. So it was like this heavy, it was almost like cardboard. But he asked me like, how thick do you want the paper? And I thought, well, the thicker, the better, because it's more quality, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of class about it. And it came through like it was this, you know, Amazon packaging, except the front cover. So I didn't do it. I didn't do a very good job of it. They, they managed to figure out a way to sort of keep this content going. Whereas I, like I said, I couldn't really hold the thought in my head for longer than a month at the time. So mm. I once produced a magazine. I ordered 25, only 23 came. So I haven't wow. gone into print because it's easier to do digital publishing. Although yes. the great thing about having a physical book, uh, there was a music journalist who said recently, if you're a young band, you don't have magazine covers, and you don't have compact discs. It's just there on Spotify. Yeah. And even though your book is available as mine is, but we're not here to talk about that as an ebook, actually feeling the pages, looking at the photos, seeing the words on the printed page. It's the technology that's been around for 500 years. It's not going anywhere. And if anyone has an idea for a book, go to pitch. So how did you get your idea to Paul and Jane? So I decided to pitch. I made, I made a nice little power sort of presentation on, uh, I think it's a site called Canva. And I, had, I hadn't written much of a book yet. I, I, can't remember, well, I can't remember if I told them I'd written more, but I, I had this sort of... It's a very easy out, a pitch to outline because it's in chronological order, essentially. Um, so I knew exactly what every chapter would be, give or take. Um, so I, I, I pitched it to them and a couple of other publishers. And every publisher has on their website, I'm pretty sure including Pitch, basically says, we only check our inbox quarterly. Don't expect to reply that type of thing, because they must get inundated with so many. And I, and I was, I, I, as soon as I sent it, I was like almost depressed, because I thought, this is going to be months long, I'm going to have to chase them off, it's going to be so, soul-sucking. And, and also, he said quarterly, and it was like end of January or February, so I thought, well... Quarter that means the next quarter is like April or May or whatever. So I thought I've missed, missed, I've got three months of waiting. And then in the end, they ended up getting back to me the next day. So that was a, that was a completely shock. And they said the next day, we love the idea. Um, let's go for it. Um, and I 
they said, can you write it in, in four months? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and then four months later, I had some semblance of a first draft and they said, yeah, we, we probably should spend more time on this, which we did. And the book came out about a month ago? Oh, sorry, a month ago. We're talking on the 25th of April, by the way. So when yeah. when did the book come out? Uh, well, it, it, it was released on the 16th of March, but I don't think it quite hit retailers until it was very right up until the last minute and we were working on it. So it, it came out sort of that week of 16th of March. Yeah, and again, 2,500 people can't be wrong. I got the sense when I went to Bloomfield Road in 2000 and... Well, Paul Ince was the manager. So yeah. when's that? 2013? Yeah, 2013 going into 2014. Yeah. Tom Ince, well, we know Paul Ince was manager because Thomas was there. He was absolutely unplayable in an impressive win against Watford. Were you at that game? Was it the home game or was it, was it at Watford or at Blackpool? It was at Blackpool. We went up to Blackpool. It was a terrible, terrible day. And I remember the temporary stand and just thinking this yeah. is a club on the decline. So that was at the start of the season? Yes. Yeah, so we, I think, no, I was in London that time. I was actually working for Football Manager. I worked at Football Manager for a couple of summers. Wow. And, yeah, so, so I was in London, didn't really care about I was missing basketball games because I was working for Football Manager. But I remember saying to everyone, holy shit, this is the best start Barthol's ever had to a season. If you look at Paulins' sort of points per game, we've won five out of six and we've beaten Watford and Reading and Middlesbrough, these big clubs. And everyone who was going on the games was saying, yeah, but we're playing really bad football and we're really lucky we're winning 1-0. And I was like, no, no, no. And then they were right and it all, yeah, we were scraping by with results and we, we uh, the, the bottom fell out pretty quickly after that. Which was a shame because it, it did seem like you had a good team going. You'd kept some of the talent from the Premier League and in the second half... Because uh, I don't, I don't want to front load Ollie. God knows he's had the publicity before, but we'll talk about Ollie in the second half. A guy called Valerie Bellacon um, and others, including Coco the Clown. Um, but just to bring up, bring us up to date again, because you've survived this awful, awful period in the club's history. The other week you beat Birmingham six-one. Yeah. With ex-Derby captain Richard Keogh, that's going to be a fun fixture. <laughs> Um, no, no, again. Yeah, so it will be, yeah, because, mm. yeah, I mean, that's this weekend, actually, it's 30th, yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, unfortunate for my girlfriend's dad, who, who, uh, knew they were going to get rele- relegated at the start of the season, but probably had a bit of false hope at some point, but yeah, but the Richard Keogh derby is once a Monty Callum before. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Richard Keogh was sacked, but he got in, I think he did his knee and then was sacked by Derby. Yes, yeah, so he was going to be injured for a year earning probably higher wages because that's how Derby were run at the time and he, they tried to terminate his contract and sort of put the blame on him and how much blame he really should take out, I don't really know but he he, uh, he sued them and I think got some of his money back and at this point at the end of April Wayne Rooney is still manager of Derby yeah. I've no idea where he's going he's been linked to a club in Lancashire because probably he's a white boy with <laughs> thinning hair um, yeah would that be good for the town to have England's record goal scorer as manager? Surely it would. I think it's been good for Derby, but I think it's more because we needed someone to galvanise around, whereas Burnley's more... It's kind of a team... I, I suppose Daesh is kind of like idolised in a sense, like there's, there's someone named a pub after him, but it's, it's kind of within a team concept. Um, I, I don't really know what Burnley fans want, but I think they they just sort of were fully behind Dyche and so if someone comes in who's Wayne Rooney they might not really know what he's done at Derby um, where he's really had to work under just ridiculous circumstances but we'll probably still see him as you know, England United you know, um, going out with uh, 
circumspect photos and videos being taken of him. I, I, yeah, I don't know if that would be a match made in heaven. Mm, I think because he'd still live in Cheshire, so he'd still commute from home, and he's got the young kids. But Burnley, I think they just they look like the 18th best team in the division. I've been saying for months, Watford, we're the 19th best team. We're going straight down. Uh, this Saturday, we're actually playing Burnley, and uh, I think if Watford lose, we're more or less down, and we will be yeah. going to Bloomfield Road next year, and I can say now that I would love to go because I'm... Should I say this? Yes, the season's ended. I'm boycotting the top division next year. I don't (laughs) care. I barely cared about Liverpool, Everton the other day. And the storylines... Have you read Nigel Tassel's book called The Hard Yards? No. Very good. It's not a pitch book, but it's about the COVID-disrupted championship season. Uh, Luton are... Gary Sweet of Luton is interviewed in that book. But the Championship is a great league. It's what the English First Division was before the breakaway. Um, so I suppose Blackpool want to be in the First Division as long as possible. Do you want to go up to the Premier League? Um, I think it'd be good for the town. I think seeing how, how much the, the investment and the foot traffic of you know getting thousands come in. Because every, every fan of Premier League thinking, oh, Blackpool's a bit different. We'll go on a weekend away in Blackpool. So um, I think it's good for the investment. I think it's so good for a, a sort of northern deprived town like Blackpool um, to have um, a sort of booming business like Blackpool FC from the Premier League whether whether I'd actually care about football I think it's the novelty of it isn't it it's still I mean I used to go I mean when I was growing up I was watching League 2 and League 1 football and like one of the best moments of my sort of childhood watching Blackpool was Peter Clark some sort of job yeah he's my favourite footballer number one is Peter Clark yeah he was this sort of jobbing centre half who I tried to model my game afterwards uh, when I was a centre back and he, I remember he scored this last-minute equaliser against Tranmere Rovers where he'd been put up top because he'd get the big man up top when he'd a late, late equaliser. The ball fell to him and he was like twisting and turning. He had a sighted goal and I was like, shoot, and he turned one more. I was like, shoot, and he turned one more. And he finally tapped it into the net and that was probably one of the best moments of my life watching football. And I actually interviewed Peter Clark for the book and I told him about that goal and I remembered it immediately. Brilliant. It probably shows how few goals he scored. Um, <laughs> but, you know... Going from that to suddenly watching Blackpool um, winning at uh, Liverpool um, is just, it's, it's almost hard to comprehend. So I'm not going to pretend, even though I, I don't really watch Premier League football at all, um, and even though I would still be as jaded and, and sort of fight as, as it sounds like you are, I'm not going to pretend that I wouldn't be thinking, wow, this is pretty incredible for, for Blackpool to be playing these teams. Yeah, I mean, well, Blackpool is lucky because it's a fresh air and fun place. But Watford, yeah. 19 or 20 games a season, you do get the world's attention on the town and albeit we have the Harry Potter studios about two kilometers that way um we've got a mural of Graham Taylor Elton John is the life president of the club so everyone knows but I think championship football will suit Watford because 20,000 people is not a Premier League ground they want to build 30,000 but we're a we're a departure lounge club Ismail Asar is probably preparing to leave and also, we've got. Do you watch the cycling GK? Do you watch Big Ben Foster? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's great. But he's, I don't know what he's going to do. He could be. I think he'll be great on broadcast when he does it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I'll take a shout. Do you know who isn't great? Charlie Adam. He's <laughs> very good at hitting the ball from a long distance. Yeah, if you need someone to score from a halfway line, um, and you don't mind the many, many, many misses. Uh, but you don't see on the highlights in Charlie yeah. I do want to mention King Kenny, Kenny Dougal. I loved reading about him, not just because he's already a cult hero, 
having yeah. scored the playoff final winner. Uh, Simon Sadler, the owner, has a pug called Kenny. Um, will it will it be amazing watching Kenny Dougal at a World Cup? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we don't get many internationals for Barpool, and if we do, it's very sort of random. Uh, I think we, when we were in the Premier League, we got a few of our players who had Scottish grandparents suddenly get called up. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be cool. But, uh, there's something a bit. It's it's almost like football hipster, isn't it? Australia are kind of like one of those teams, I think. So yeah, I mean, you can see how long it's a good illustrator of how how long it took to write the book. Because when I wrote it, I called him bleach blonde hair, which he was when I wrote it. And then by the time it came out, all the blonde had come out. So now it's just uh, now it's just brewing out, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, his uh, that will be a cool experience. So we, I mean, they still go on the Australian national teams Twitter and vote for King Kenny, man of the match, even if he's not playing. I love that. That is testament just to how the bond between a player and a fan base can actually help the club overall. And there there don't seem to be any bad eggs. You've got Neil Critchley as the manager who will show anyone the door who mucks around. But there's no star in your team. No, I mean, there was a lot of... um, When we got promoted, there was all these videos coming out of them all just seeming like we were having a really good time, like on holiday uh, together and and drink together. And then, and you know, you didn't see any sort of, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend footballers don't get up to no good, but we thankfully didn't see anything like that. So it was, it just seems like everyone really enjoys each other and and, um, they're close knit. And I think at Blackpool, when our when our teams have been successful, it's because they've been really close knit, and it's not because you've signed a a, a million quid player or whatever. So. um, it's, there's a lot of comparisons to the to the, the 0-9-10 promotion season team with this with this group. Who were, I think, because of what Ollie did as the front man, he made people like what Blackpool were doing. Obviously, he went straight back down, and it was a, a shame. Um, but it it brought attention to what you talk about in your book, how not to run a football club. Because if you are going to United and Liverpool. People go, oh, what are Blackpool doing there? How have they been able to afford it? It was in spite of the clown, yeah. not because of them. Yeah, no, I mean, we had, the, I think, the second smallest budget in the championship the year we went up. Uh, and then when we did get into a Premier League, I mean, I, I would have said, and I think a lot of Blackpool fans think this, it, at least on paper, it was actually a weaker squad in the Premier League than it was in the championship because we lost Stephen Dobby, who was on loan and tearing the championship to pieces. So for some reason, we couldn't pay a million quid to get him from Swansea. Um, we also had Seamus Coleman on loan who went straight into the Everton's first team that's a bit more understandable obviously so we missed two very important player, part players of, you know, of, of starting 11 and we were asking you know, Ian Ever, who uh, we brought in in League One um, on loan he was you know, good <laughs> and then suddenly he's playing against you know, David Silver or whatever um, no this wasn't a, a throw of the money at the Premier League and, and hope you stay up type of team this was we're going to do the, we're going to use the exact same squad sprinkle in a couple of free transfers none of them who really played um, and Owen Iverson's going to take 11 million quid and we're going to spend 3 million quid on transfer fees that year, which is what happened. You mentioned Ian Everett, who was the captain of Blackpool. The statue will be there. I thought he'd end up as Blackpool's manager because he took Barrow out of the Football League, moved to Bolton, it didn't work. Well, he was working for a while. I think he did some good stuff at Bolton, wasn't he, for a while? Yeah, is he still at Bolton? Um, current, manager of, current manager of Bolton. Um, yeah, so he, he's done well at Bolton because obviously they were going through tough times themselves. And he managed to shepherd through it. And now they're 10th in League One, so he got them promoted and now they're doing pretty well. Oh, yes, they're doing well in League One. And at Bolton, an example of a club that if you get it right off the pitch, it becomes very easy when you give a manager time and patience to build a team. And what Ian is doing, I think all Blackpool fans must approve, even though it's Bolton. Yeah, I mean, 
he, he's totally he's totally copied what he in, in what he's learned from Ian Holloway. Uh, and there's so many teams now. There's so many managers who go to non-league football um, and say, which is actually what he did at Barrow, and say we're going to play um, football. And you know, I've, I've got a cousin who's got a friend who was working for some. He's got his UA for a license or whatever, and he, he was working for some sort of you know very non-league team. And of course, he comes in and says, "We've got a philosophy. We're going to." Play it the right way, and then a week later, he's like, "No, I'm actually, obviously, that's not going to work. We're going to start lumping it up." Um, so it, every team now in Manly tries to pass it out, and 99 times out of 100 it doesn't work. But we've in ever it did work, and obviously he's carried it through. Um, so yeah, he, he's there's a lot of those players who've gone to coach, and Stephen Craney, obviously is himself, and um, Gary Taylor Fletcher. So anytime they come in a podcast, obviously, so it's oh, you should get a Blackpool job, and I think there was so much groundswell of support for that team because we sort of identified with it so much more than sort of whoever was playing for 2017, 18, 19. I couldn't even name the players because we were boycotting. If it was a lot of talk about, oh, we should all get the, court, get the band back together, get, get, get them all managing and they can all be assistants. And I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that has not happened and we've just got an actual, you know, a good manager and Neil Quixley and I prefer it this way. Indeed. And we will find out about protests, boycotts and court cases in the second half. Grab your tangerines for half time.